0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Jeremiah Hall joins us to discuss his OU career and his preparation for the NFL Draft. We give you the latest OU football updates, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the week, which is where we preview the AFC and NFC championship games. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, January 27th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in January from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Rockin' and reeling Giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at eleven fifty nine. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now, recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. We have an awesome interview with one of my favorite OU players, Jeremiah Hall. Ted, he is fantastic.
1: He's great. Um unbelievable player, did so many great things for them. Uh his role is really unique. And you know, he's he's just the next guy in a long line of fullback Swiss Army guys that can do so many different things. He's just fantastic, great player, man.
0: The the only thing that has me more excited than the Jerobio Hall interview. Is the fact that you still have your beard <laughs> you still have oh, it no, you so- hey, we ask the people and the people love it. so if you watch this on YouTube, which I highly recommend and please subscribe if you're if you're checking us out on YouTube, the beard it, dude, it looks good, a little gray in there too. I like it.
1: Yeah so what do you do? do you do you trim it up? What's going on here? what's, what's my next move? There's a, just go to a barbershop. There's guys that handle that for you, man. I'm not going to a barbershop. Not happening. That's way too much hassle. I'll just shave it. Uh, I don't know. It's not bothering me too much yet. It feels okay. I don't know. We'll see. I, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to bump up against the end of this thing though.
0: You, you say that people in the YouTube comments, Let us know what you think of the new look Mm -hmm. for Ted. Look at that beard. Okay. We, we got a lot of OU stuff to talk about. Uh, wanted to start with this and there's nothing official yet. So not going to name any names because I asked the people and they're like, it's not official yet. So don't, don't put it out there yet. But let's just say Brent Venables is looking to load his staff up with former OU players. And when I say his staff, I mean just guys around, like guys around the program, different roles, some player development roles, some guys just part-time where they're helping with recruiting or they're just hanging around the team. They can be a mentor for the guys in some form or fashion. Just having guys that have done it and have gone and played in the NFL and have been to where these players want to go having those guys as resources for the players at Oklahoma. And it, it also, I think one of, the, one of the things BV really wants to do is create that feeling that OU football is actually family. Like these are guys that have been through it. They can relate to you. They're here for you. They're here for you to, to talk about anything you need to talk about, bounce things off, like all of that stuff, Ted, I think this is a smart idea, man. And I, I just love I love Brent Venables' mentality that he has and the, the way he is approaching this.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I, I think it's really cool. You know, as a young player especially, um, you, you're thrown into a new world around a bunch of new people uh you've always got these great expectations and huge ex- huge expectations of what's going to happen and uh, everyone that shows up is like i'll be a starter as a freshman and i'll be all conference as a freshman or, or whatever it is but everyone's always got these lofty expectations and you get there and it's way different way harder maybe you're not getting coached the way that you expected and you're, you're struggling. It's really hard. It's, it's hard to go to a coach, like your position coach or someone on on staff with something like that. And at least me, I'm damn sure not going to a teammate with anything like that. Right. But to have someone that's really, Almost an in-between. It's not your position coach. It's not your football coach. And it's not a teammate, but it's someone who's been in your shoes. Uh, Whenever you go there and you tell them, like, look how miserable it is for me, that person just says, it's like that for everyone. It was like that for me. I went through the same type of rough patch. Here's what I did to make it better. Here's what I did that made it worse. Like, just having someone that is... In a position that you feel like you can go to them with some different things that maybe you can't go to a teammate or a, a, a straight-up position coach with. Just having guys around that can fill those roles, like the player development stuff, and just being in the halls or, or whatever it might be. I think it's genius. I think it's. I think it adds that kind of missing layer that 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 kind of holds everything together a little bit for guys that maybe don't have a a place they feel comfortable with taking different things.
0: Yeah. And I I think this is something that Dabo Swinney and that staff at Clemson, like they, they did a really good job. And I know that a lot of people have poked fun of, you know, kind of how folksy Dabo is with some of that stuff, but you, you talk to some of the guys that went to Clemson and man, they just, the, the culture that was there. I mean, it, it was special. Right. There, there's a reason they were able to get all those guys to come play there. And there was a reason they won all those games and won national titles. Like they it it was it was not just a high level of football in the practice field and all of that, but it, it seems like they really did build an atmosphere that guys really enjoyed. And yeah. I think there's a lot of negativity out there now, man. There's just a lot of negative, we're exposed to a lot of negativity. So to, to just have people that you, you can bounce things off and you you can share your experiences with, like and it's not like you have to go to a doctor's office or anything and talk to a sports psychologist, which I'm a big believer in all that stuff because that stuff was good for me. But this is, like you said, it's like an in-between. It's just another resource too. Because I, I do think making making these players comfortable as comfortable as they can feel while you're pushing them to be their best athletically academically and all that stuff. Like it's important just to have people to talk to like that you feel comfortable with. And I think that this is, this is just another example of why Brent Venables is the, is the best man for this job. I, I, I love the way that he's building this staff out.
1: Well, I I agree. And The other aspect of it is the coaches, the coaching staff needs it too. between recruiting and obviously week by week game prep, coaching the players, who's in class, who's not, who missed a workout time, like dealing with all that crap it's usually in the past was there was so much stuff piled on like 2 GAs right and maybe a, a quality control to have a a much larger staff on the back end that is going to be able to help with some like pre-scouting or self-scouting or or whatever those some of those things are just having that stuff ready and available and not having to, to spend as much time working through it on your own. like We need our coaches coaching and recruiting at a high level, not doing a lot of the other time-consuming things that you know, forever have been part of the job because they kind of had to be. But if you can have extra people on staff to fill some of those voids and make those coaches work more efficiently with their time, it's it's way better.
0: No, uh, I'm with you. Okay, next thing. Jerry Schmidt workouts update. One of the funnier new developments is parents tweeting out pictures of their conversations with their sons that are going through these workouts. And I am all for it because I, I find this content to be absolutely hilarious. And... Uh, definitely the best is between Marcus Hicks and his dad, Kelvin. Like those are, those are must read tweets for me now. And I was laughing reading it, but this is the funniest part because I was, I was talking to a couple guys in the staff about the workouts and they haven't even started the hard workouts. <laughs> I I was told that, and I guess this is bad news. Maybe if, if any of the players listen this podcast, but I've been told that these are still the ease of men workouts and that Schmitty is, he's ready to quote, get after them soon. (laughs) So you got these parents putting these screenshots of these conversations with their sons out there and it hadn't even begun yet, man. I love it. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be miserable.
1: Did did you see the one with rain? I didn't see it, but someone told me about it. And I guess he was talking about the weight room. It was like, that wasn't like anything I've been doing before. I, like, I don't know what that was <laughs> or something like that. It's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's basically, he was like, yeah, complete one hundred and eighty for what <laughs> we were doing. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a long winter and they haven't even started coaches stations yet. it, it we'll go over coaches stations when they start, usually those don't start until national signing day, which can you believe is what next Wednesday
1: coming up quick? Yep.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's when the real fun begins is once, uh, once the February signing date is out of the way, but yeah, it's about to get, it's about to get real, real. Yeah.
1: Well, there's, there's always, a a ramping up period lucky for them they were kind of in the condition that they were because the ramping up period for them is going to take a little bit longer, like the testing and all of that stuff. Um, I can't believe like we're almost, we're almost out of the month of January and they haven't really even started yet. I think one year we started winter workouts before, like well before school started. And I don't, it probably wasn't legal, but, you know, we did it anyways. <laughs> and so I feel like it's, it's kind of really late, but I guess that's, that's when everyone gets started now. And, but yeah, you're right. It's going to ramp up in a hurry. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's talk a little bit about the roster, but first the only place to stop when you're road tripping is loves travel stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 States offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places, Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: There let's see what we got. a little bit of a throwback there, Oklahoma breakdown on the
0: on the helmet OB and, and awesome. I want to say if anyone thinks if before anyone thinks this is orange, this is orange. so it's like an actual like red. right. So, yeah, it's not orange. so I don't, want, got to, comments I don't want to hear that it was that it was orange. No, no, I just I, you never know okay. when, when right. people see real red, they'll be like, that looks a little orange. It's not orange. This is orange. This is right. red. It's pretty obvious. Very
1: red. And is it buttery soft? Oh, it's buttery soft. That's right. The shirts and the hoodie are buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and Oklahoma City Thunder gear also. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And we're we're in stock, right? Our limited release isn't as limited as it once was.
0: They we we impressed, so they ramped the numbers up, baby. Let's go. So go grab it. Go grab it. Okay. So offensive line transfer from TCU Tyler Guy. And I remember this kid well because he's a massive human being. Mm-hmm. Listed at 6'7, 312, and they used him as a jumbo tight end i think they put him in like 90 in the game this year when they played ou and he I, so i went back and watched it and he had a few really impressive snaps where he was moving some dudes off the ball and i was like okay so i am excited about his potential uh talked to a couple of guys i know down in fort worth that are around that program and they say they they were They thought he had a really high ceiling and that they were disappointed to lose him. So he's clearly got some athleticism. There's no doubt needs to get a little stronger. We've got a guy for that now. Also needs to get a little better technically as an offensive lineman. We've got a guy for that too. One thing I love, he's not sloppy. Not sloppy. I don't like my lineman sloppy. I like my lineman athletic looking, not a ton of blubber on you. I, I like the way the kid looks. And there's just not a lot of human beings out there that have this type of frame and move the way that this young man moves. So he is a developmental project for Jerry Schmidt and Bill Beedenbow. But if you can get this kid to his ceiling, I mean, this could, this could be a guy that's starting along your offensive line. So I, I, I'm very interested to see how Tyler Guyton kind of fits in this program.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think if you can get your hands on six 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 seven 310-pound guys that can uh, move around a little bit, that have some position versatility. Now, I don't expect him to have position versatility once he's at OU. The guy's going to be a tackle, um, and I don't know. Maybe he'll be an offensive lineman, but um, that's the type of guys you, you want. And, and you've talked about this before, it's better to be leaner and build than it is to always be trying to fight against it and lose. Um, you typically get a, a, a leaner, um, more athletic version of a player that way. So I'm with you. I think it's great. We need depth there. And it's always easier to to add depth from guys that have college experience. So I'm down with that. And does it hurt that, He's college teammates and high school teammates with pretty good football player that's still hanging out in the portal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Guyton high school and college teammates with Oshawn Mathis, who I who did not have a great year last year compared to his two seasons before that, but wouldn't mind him choosing to play in Norman and still hasn't committed everywhere. Everywhere everyone thinks he's going to Texas and i don't know if it it's the gary patterson connection or or what but when he entered the portal a lot of people are like oh he's gonna be a longhorn but he hasn't announced anything not one so yet. so we still got a chance come on come on tyler guidon get, get figure it out get osha mathis to come let's to you why not two player deal let's get this thing done okay some other stuff gentry williams number one player in the state of Oklahoma from Booker T. Washington in the class of 2022. Of course, Tulsa area product. Took another official visit last weekend. New staff got to show him what they're all about. And from all indications, from everyone I talked to, it went very, very well. And it seems like Jay Valai and him made, made an immediate connection. So now clearly they've been talking to him, but when you meet someone in the, in person, like it, that's a little different. Like you're on, you're in Norman. It's, it's a different element and seems like it went really well. And he's going to sign with OU on signing day, which is February 2nd. And the most important part about all this, Oklahoma is keeping the most talented players in the state, in the state of Oklahoma. And that's what, I I know that maybe everyone doesn't buy into all the rankings, but he's ranked number one in the state of Oklahoma for a reason. The kid's really, really talented, and he's going to wear Sooners across his chest. The way it should be, Ted, the way God intended.
1: Oh, I love it. I really do. I think it's great, and man, don't look now, but this class, in my opinion, and you never know what it's going to turn into, but just at the looks of it and how these kids uh, have looked in high school, I think we got some really good secondary players, like with some really, really high ceilings. And um, I don't know. I've liked what I've seen. You add uh, you had some, some good youth in this recruiting class. And uh, frankly, I think the the last recruiting class was pretty good as well. And some, more experienced transfer portal guys to that secondary that's been the problem area for us and everyone knows it secondary has been the real problem area defensively so as of right now i think it looks like a really good mix of guys um, that they're lining up in the roster on the back end
0: yeah you just look at that class robert spears jennings Jaden rowe and now gentry williams Pretty talented trio from the Tulsa area. I
1: agree. Jaden Rose, still my favorite player in this class.
0: And that pipeline from Tulsa, that that's that's big, man. There's some talented players in the 918. And we want the most talented players in Tulsa going to Oklahoma. Yep. Right. So I, I love that they're getting them out of that area. That that's that is a a trend I hope that continues. Okay. More exciting OU news. Quarterback commit. Everyone loves a quarterback commit. 2023 class. Jackson Arnold. The number 42 overall prospect according to ESPN. 6'1", 195 pounder from Denton Geyer down there in Texas. The top rated quarterback in the state of Texas. So, this this falls under what we have labeled the Levy effect. So, you've got Dylan Gabriel now as a transfer who is a really good player. You've got Nick Evers, who's an extremely highly recruited player that flipped from Florida because he really likes Levy and now a commitment from the number one quarterback in the state of Texas in the 2023 class in Jackson Arnold. It seems like quarterbacks want to play for Jeff Levy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And rightfully
1: so, the offense is going to put up big numbers. There's going to be plenty of opportunity to showcase uh, their arms, throw the ball downfield. And I talked with Lebby about this kid, and he loves him, says he's outstanding, uh, loves the fact that he's going to be relatively close to home, um, has a huge arm, is a good athlete, is just like the right kind of guy uh, to fit this system. Uh, says super competitive i mean just really a guy that you go through and he just checks absolutely every single box and um i i think they're they're thrilled to have him and frankly i i think that there's a there's a lot of guys that want to play quarterback at oklahoma right now and i think and and i'm not i can't say that necessarily anyone is like levy is 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 shocked or anything but he he knows that that a lot of the recruiting is just because of the brand man the brand and like the the recent history here and, and even the the long history here for the position is great and he's just thrilled to be able to to go out and get the response that he's getting from these players whenever he's at oklahoma
0: and you mentioned him being a guy that's nearby. And this is something that maybe people don't realize. Like when you get a quarterback in a recruiting class, that, that guy becomes very pivotal to recruiting other players. And whether it's social media, uh, visits, like all those type of things. And I know this, this sounds stupid, but like him being in Denton and being able to make the trip easily – like that's one of those things where you're like, hey, we got a couple five-star kids coming in. Can you make it up and hang out with these guys? Because the the quarterback is it's typically the face of a recruiting class, even if it's yep. not the highest recruiting guy. Like it just we comes saw with that the with
1: position. Caleb and Spencer. Yeah. Last two guys.
0: Yeah. And one guy was from Arizona and one guy was from DC. So having the guy be from Denton and this is so stupid. I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I could see some OU fans saying this and being like, Yeah, I love that he's a four star, not a five star. He's a little hungrier. Yeah, I like that. Like, and he's like, What the number 42 overall prospect in the country? Like, ah, they didn't, he just disrespected. Love it.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there is something to that. And, you know, here's the thing whenever you're in the position Oklahoma's in right now, you can kind of go at the quarterback position. Anyways, you can kind of go up and down and instead of just trying to take the, the top guys or whatever, it, you could be selective. I mean, and I'll say, I, I believe there's, there's more like good quarterback talent coming out now than there's has been ever. Um, guys are coached really well, At the high school level, they've been in the seven-on-seven stuff. They're all running similar offenses in high school to what people are running in college. So there's really good quarterbacks up and down the recruiting rankings. Uh, Absolutely up and down.
0: Yeah, and seems like the Sooners have a couple good ones lined up uh, for the future there in Norman. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, there there was a guy named Caleb Williams that played quarterback for Oklahoma last year. A lot of people may have heard of him, some new rumors and we, we got to talk about it. It's, it's become one of the biggest stories of college football, Caleb Williams to Wisconsin was Wisconsin. So this is something that is very interesting that I was told. So when Caleb Williams initially went into the portal, I had a few different people tell me that they had talked to Carl Williams and, one of them told me that when he asked Carl where Caleb might go, he was like, "Oh, we we really don't have anywhere in mind." But then he kind of pressed him on it, and that the two schools that Carl Williams mentioned by name were Michigan and Wisconsin. So when this popped up, I wasn't exactly shocked. I was like, "Oh yeah i I, I remember that 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 was that was noteworthy back then, but I guess Wisconsin is planning on hiring the Baltimore Ravens tight ends coach, Bobby Ingram as their next offensive coordinator. That guy coached nine seasons in the NFL. He coached with Paul Chris at Pitt in 2012 and 2013 and Ingram's son at Wisconsin. He played his son plays at Wisconsin and played high school football with Caleb Williams. So there's a lot of dots to connect here, but I won't lie. If he's going to go somewhere, I would love for it to be Wisconsin. Like that would be that'd be awesome. I I hope this happens. I really do. I agree. And I think we've talked about this before,
1: but I've got a close friend that's the defensive line coach at Wisconsin. And we've been talking about this for a little bit ever since I first heard that rumor come up and I was like, "Wisconsin? What?" and we've kind of been talking about it a little bit and you know the really interesting thing is that Paul Christ was he was the quarterback and offensive coordinator whenever Russell Wilson was there and that that's pro, that, that's a that's a pretty good similarity between players and abilities and Obviously there's differences too, but it's whenever you talk about the NFL, like the grooming and the development, that makes sense. I mean that, that is a that is a guy and a skill set that makes a lot of sense. So that is that's another connection there. And you know, I I'm with you. I think that brings a different balance of power to the Big 10. I think if you surround Caleb Williams with an excellent offensive line, which they will have, an excellent running game which they will have, an excellent defense, and frankly an excellent culture, I I think it's a place that he could he could really thrive. I do. I I would cheer for Wisconsin if he went there. Like, I, I think that's the only place that I would cheer for if he went there.
0: Yeah. It's like when I was thinking about it, I was like, I like Wisconsin. Like, if you haven't been to Madison, Wisconsin, it's it's arguably the coolest college town in the United States. Like, it is a fantastic city.
1: Titties and beer, right?
0: Yeah, that's
1: what they do. <laughs> So they do. Uh, that was the funniest picture I think I've ever seen. That how random of a uh, of a post is that for Kayla Williams?
0: Uh it'll be it'll be interesting. I I hope it happens. Right? And I think that I think we're all dreading like if he goes to USC and then we have to all act like we're still mad about that whole thing. And if he goes to Wisconsin, I think all the OU fans will be like all right, sweet. Yeah, like well, I could cheer for Wisconsin to win the Big 10. Probably won't affect us at all, sure. Why not? Right.
1: Yeah, we need someone to go in there and I think it I think it balances the power of the Big 10 a little bit. I think it helps still a little bit of thunder away from Ohio State who I mean, if if we were going around and hand selecting like who who we believe as as a fan base is probably our main a uh, competition, Ohio state would be one of the names that you throw in there. And yeah, if you, if, if you could do anything, because we know that, or you would think that if Caleb Williams goes to Wisconsin, he plays there and then he's done. Wisconsin goes back to being Wisconsin, right? right. <laughs> that's that's right. what happens here. So if you can, in the meantime for a couple of years, still a little bit of the thunder from Ohio state and, and, in Michigan, then okay, let's do that
0: my my probably my number one piece of advice to him pack a jacket man
1: (laughs) and i guess like whenever he's been up there it's it's not a good time to be in wisconsin right now
0: (laughs) no it's freezing it's cold as balls up there right now
1: all right they're going through like a an extra cold snap i believe oh um, yeah
0: uh, sometimes mother nature can be a very very poor recruiting tool but And also one other thing from what I've been told, it it sounds like Jackson dart is waiting patiently kind of to see what Caleb Williams does. And I know it's been old miss. So you BYU, but I wouldn't rule him just going him going back to USC. Right. Kind of from what we're hearing.
1: That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's strange. I think that's kind of a weird philosophy, but Nonetheless, if that's what, if that's what he does, uh, more power to him. I think, it, I think the way that that's played out is weird. And I well, don't know what he's waiting on.
0: I, I the way that Caleb Williams thing has played out is so weird. Like the fact that he's not somewhere, it's so odd to me, but you know, he's, but
1: with your Jackson dart by waiting to see if Caleb Williams goes to USC or not, you're like, you're putting him in control of what you do. If you want to go play at USC, go play at USC and win the job. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but it We're, seems strange.
0: Not all men are alpha, alpha, alpha males like you. <laughs> Especially
1: with this beard now, right? Yeah, look at that you. Is, is that added oh, alpha? man,
0: alpha? Don't forget. Don't forget to leave us some YouTube comments about oh, the beard. God. But now it's time. For birthday shout-outs. Happy first birthday to Ellie Lindley. Happy birthday, Ellie. Happy birthday to Paisley and Peyton Gross. Happy birthday, Paisley and Peyton. Happy sixth birthday to Briggs and Brogan Bettis.
1: Uh, no, that's some good names. Briggs and Brogan, uh, Brogan. Happy birthday.
0: Happy seventh birthday to Kai Turley. Happy birthday, Kai. Happy 10th birthday to Tal Reininger. What a name. Happy
1: birthday, Tal. That's a good one.
0: Rhymes with pal. That's how they described it. Perfect. Tal. Happy 10th birthday to Jay Thacker. Happy birthday, Jay. Happy 14th birthday to Gavin Healy. Happy birthday, Gavin. Happy 15th birthday to Xander Osborne. Happy birthday, Xander. We should have never started this. Happy (laughs) 18th birthday to Levi Dunsmore. Happy birthday Levi. Happy 25th birthday to Dylan Polston. Happy birthday Dylan. Happy 28th birthday to Meredith Croak. Happy birthday Meredith. Happy 29th birthday to Bracey Lerner. Happy birthday Bracey. Happy 32nd birthday to Josh De Bartolo. What a name. Happy birthday Josh. De Bartolo or D Bartolo. D D De. De Bartolo. Sorry Josh. Happy 35th birthday to Donnie Papas. Happy birthday, Donnie. Happy 40th birthday to Dave Patel. Happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday to Ashley Rohde. Happy birthday, Ashley. And happy birthday to Tristan and Praise Lika, who are Chiefs
1: grandkids, Ted. Wow. Happy birthday, Tristan and Praise.
0: Awesome. 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 All right. Let's talk to Jeremiah Hall. to manage risk, purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best in class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll shave huge. Did I just say shave? I'm just staring at your beard thinking of that. That's, <laughs> you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I N S U R I C A com
1: guys winter is here got a little bit of snow on the ground out there but does it really matter because it's always hard seltzer season and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is sonic hard seltzer from coop works it's perfect for any occasion we drink in the hot tub by the fire and at the tailgate you can buy 12 packs the iconic sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade in ocean water or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack Find it at your local grocery convenience and liquor stores.
0: All right. Here's Jeremiah Hall. It is our pleasure to be joined by quite possibly the best fullback in the entire country. I think he is, and he's going to get drafted, people. So just deal with it. He was number 27 in your programs, but number one in your hearts. Jeremiah Hall is in the house. What's going on, man?
2: Yes, sir. What's up, Gabe? What's up, Teddy? Appreciate you guys having me.
1: Uh, here's the thing, man. You, a lot, there's always a lot of stress for rookies about what song are they going to sing whenever the vets call <laughs> them up in front of the team. You've already got yours done, man. The greatest rendition ever of Dixieland Delight. Uh, just amazing. Just
2: amazing. Yeah, you know, I messed it up on the podcast the other day, but I went and learned the words, so... Well, actually, I kind of already knew the words. I don't know why they weren't coming to me in the moment, but you know, if the sooner nation needs me to, you know, spit it for them one more time, I can, I might be able to do that at some point. I'm
1: telling you, you don't need to know the words. That was, <laughs> it, it's it's something that it just draws you in. I've yeah. I've watched the clip no less than a hundred times now, and <laughs> really? I'm I'm totally I'm you you've got me sucked in. I love it.
2: I appreciate the love because even my mom was getting on to me on social media. So um, I'm just happy I can make some people smile.
0: <laughs> it is it's great. It, it's never good when when your mom starts piling on you. <laughs> it's, it's never a good side, boys. Okay, man, we got we got so much to talk about, but uh, I do wanna I do wanna talk about the podcasting stuff a little bit because with how the NIL rules changed, uh, you and Braden Willis doing the podcast on the Prairie what what was that like? Like uh, foot playing football is completely different than podcasting. It's just yeah. a completely different world. So what, what was the balance like for you, man?
2: You know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when we first started and I didn't know how things were going to go. So I just kind of went with it week by week. I didn't have any expectations and it just kind of flourished. You know, I didn't, I'm not a professional interviewer or someone that does this all the time like you guys I just so happen to speak a lot during the um, the post-practice and post-game meetings and I'm like you know what I can do this with a mic so um, thank god we have a producer um, who's great Alex he makes things so easy for us man all we do literally is hop on the mic for an hour get somebody on for a guest interview and the rest is up to him I don't edit I don't do anything. I don't even control the Twitter page or the Instagram page. So whenever you see a tweet, it's not me or Braden. So it's been fun. Um, big shout out to Alex. Uh, braden has been having a blast doing it as well. So I'm glad I've been able to form something that I could call my own and I've had
0: success with. We need it's to been get, cool. We need to get one of those producers, man. We need one of those. <laughs> that sounds awesome.
1: I'll tell you, you know, the first thing, whenever I saw that you guys were doing it, the first thing that came into my head was like, what's the coaching staff going to think? And because ultimately it's what everyone wants to know. Like essentially all what Gabe and I do is basically try and tell people like what is happening in a locker room in a situation like this, you know, what in a game, like, what are you thinking? What's going through their heads? And, you guys, it's like the first time you've been able to deliver it straight to people. And, like, I was wondering, is there any, like, censorship going on? Did anyone ever, like, ask you what you guys are are going to be talking about? Anyone from, like, the staff or anyone up at OU?
2: Yeah, no. Um, there was never any censorship. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Halk, the guy that's in charge of all that stuff for us, he just happened to – have a great amount of trust in me him and coach Riley after the first interview they never asked me again you know what I was talking about what all was going to be said or anything like that until um until we had a very special guest come on there with a a huge following base and just so happens to play quarterback we had some uh (laughs) we had some heat on that one but um luckily luckily we were able to um get that one through. I never thought I'd be up at like 5am just to <laughs> talk about whether a podcast would be released or not. So that was fun.
0: Yeah, no, we all, we all enjoyed getting to actually hear from Caleb Williams. And I was glad that you guys were able to do that. All right, let's talk some ball, man. Uh, your your podcasting career, I'm sure going to continue, right? No, yeah, at least, at least for now, at least, at for, least now. for now, at least for now. Okay. So you, you got this whole football thing going on, but Let's go back to the season, right, because you're captain of the team, one of the best players on the team, played some of you know the best football on the team, and extremely high expectations coming into 2021. I mean, we're, we're all talking national championship, right? It, so what, w- what was the season like for you, right? Because it, it felt, to us to cover the team and around the team, it, it felt like you guys just never really – Reach that full potential,
2: yeah. You know, especially as a captain and me being in my fifth year, I didn't want to be the one to let the ball drop, so I was anxious from the get go. You know, I was like, Man, we cannot lose a game, I have to be on my captain, you know, on my captain time every single day. Um, I got to make sure I take advantage of every opportunity I have. And I tried to to lead with that authority, to lead with that enthusiasm. And um, it just never, it never played out the way I imagined it. There's no reason that I can honestly point to that would tell you whether or not we would have won a game or whether or not the season would have been a little bit different. But we just never got on the same page. And I don't know why. Um, it was honestly my first time feeling that way since I've been there all five years, you know, first um, as a team and second, like as a captain, that was my first time in that role. And so I, I don't I don't know why things never things never clicked the way that I had imagined. Um, I feel like we left so much out there. And uh, that's probably the most disappointing thing about this past season is that I felt like we easily could have been a national championship. Oh, I wouldn't say easily, but that's definitely a place where we should have been. But I don't know much more past that. I just, I'm kind of hurt that uh, we didn't finish the way we wanted to, but I'm glad I got to go out having fun and with a win with Bob and everything. So there's pros and cons, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it was, it was a, it was an interesting year you know, f- for a million reasons, but you know, I remember you guys were nine and zero and undefeated and you know from the outside looking in like the the fan base and and people covering the team just it was it never felt or it was never really treated like a 9-0 and team like there was maybe it's because of the lofty expectations to of start off the year but did you guys feel the same way was was there or was it like what do we what's what's the big deal we're, we're undefeated right now yeah we maybe left some things out there but we haven't been beaten. Was there that feeling, or or did you guys feel like maybe things weren't right?
2: I know the older guys felt it. Um, you know, guys like me, guys like Braden, Kennedy Brooks, uh, Marquise Hayes, because we talked about it. But when you're playing with a lot of young guys, especially on offense, guys like, you know, Caleb, even Spencer, you know, it's his second year, but he, he's still a young guy. You know, we got Mario Williams. We got Andrew Rame at center. Um we got, we got Chris Murray, who's, you know, it's his first year starting, uh, second year at Oklahoma. The rest of the guys, you know, they've had experience of what it's been like to go to the playoffs, but a lot of them didn't play uh, too much in those playoffs. So the point of me saying that is certain guys can feel it and certain guys couldn't. And I don't think we did a good job of making sure that those young guys and and guys who hadn't necessarily been in the fire, guys who don't know what it's like to make it all the way to the end of the season and finish in championship November. And so that's probably a department where we failed, but it definitely didn't feel like a 9-0 season. I know. I remember I was talking to somebody. Um, it was somebody. Um, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody who just transferred into Oklahoma and it wasn't even a player but they were like man when i was at this other school we would have been so happy to be nine to know but here nine to know doesn't even feel like nine to know and i was just like you're exactly right so it it wasn't it wasn't the best nine to know
0: that i've been a part of that's for sure or
2: the first undefeated season to that point it didn't feel like it
0: yeah i i think we we all were acknowledging like hey it's great you're undefeated and you never have to apologize for being undefeated but the the level of play like the execution just wasn't where where everyone expected it to be you guys included okay so my senior year i had three different guys play quarterback and it's it creates a weird dynamic for the leaders on the team when you have any sort of quarterback controversy two guys that feel like they should be the guy like that that can can cause a weird kind of, kind of a weird dynamic in the locker room. At what point did you guys start having those conversations? Like, Hey man, like Caleb, Caleb maybe should be the guy because it's only natural to have those conversations when, when your offense isn't performing the way you thought it should.
2: Yeah. You know, it was, I think that was probably one of the smoothest quarterback transitions that, You could have because me and Caleb, um, Patrick and Isaiah felt the need to address it right after the senior game. And it really it really wasn't a problem because one, it would have been different if Caleb got in there, lost us the game, and then we're trying to figure out which quarterback we're trying to go with. But this kid came in, dominated his job, and won us the game. And so when you're in a situation like that, it's very obvious who you you know who you should lean to you give you know go bot guys both reps um and practice but i mean he he earned it and it wasn't like spencer just outright lost his spot in in one game you know the games before that weren't great you know they were good but they, they weren't like you know phenomenal phenomenal football like what Caleb did versus Texas so um, we knew that we had to address the locker room. We told the guys, hey, like, no matter who who's in there, um, defense and offense, we're going to support um, both of them because we both knew they could play. So I think having two five-star quarterbacks and choosing between which one you're going to play can be a a good problem if you're watching from the sidelines.
1: No, it's wild. And you said it a second ago, and a lot of times, I think we we just kind of skip over it. That Spencer was still a young guy and that's heavy man to to lose your job whenever you're thought of as highly as he was and have the expectations that he did and it's it's humbling to have that take place in the open in front of the entire country that's not easy to go through man and people don't maybe understand how heavy that is for a young kid even though you know he's he's you know he's smart and he knows kind of how to handle the the situation but was there any anyone uh leadership captains that had to kind of go put their arm around him and make sure that he stayed focused and was you know understood that he's still a play away and that he's still a big part of the team
2: yeah what's crazy about how he his position was uh, was switched up a bit is that it happens all around college football every single year at every single position. But when it, ha- when it happens at quarterback, specifically at the University of Oklahoma, that's when it becomes a big deal. And so I think Caleb did a good job of of um, <clears throat> being that guy that Spencer could talk to. Um, I know I wanted to be a little bit, but Caleb did a better job of, of that type of deal. And um, I just, you know, let the let things fall where they were, you know, I gave both of them a little bit of space, um, offered to be there if either one had questions or 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 just wanted to chop it up. So, um, but to answer your question, I think Caleb did a great job of, of being there for, for Spencer in a time where, you know, he didn't know what was going on. And Caleb kind of has, has done, has been through that a little bit. So I thought he was the right person for
0: it. So it was, it was obviously a big season for you right? You're, you're trying to put the best stuff you can on tape to get ready to go to the NFL, but then you're banged up the whole year. So do you feel is now the time to tell everyone how hurt you were during the year? Cause you and I, we talked about it a lot, pretty much every week where you like, dude, my shoulder's about to fall off or my legs about to fall off. Just how, how banged up were you throughout the season? Because it seemed like every week, man, it was something new.
2: Yeah, so um soon as doesn't know, but I strained the uh, I strained my AC joint, I think the last drive versus West Virginia, and it wasn't too bad, but the thing about an AC joint is that it takes it just takes time to heal. But when you're in practice every single week and you have a game every single week, there's no healing time. So basically I was in a blue jersey at practice for around two months six to eight weeks um almost through the rest of the season and basically guys what that means is you know I'm no contact I'm not hitting anybody and um I was nervous because I thought me not being able to participate fully in practice would diminish my playing time and I'm like man this is my fifth year I I know it all like just you know give me a shot and um luckily Joe John was fair with me and um still allowed me to play and get a good amount of time in but before every game I had to get a cortisone shot and that wasn't fun. So
1: needles about uh, that long and they just punch it all around the area, man. I've been there with the AC. It's brutal. And the worst thing is they tell you, you can play with it. It feels like there's no way I can play with this. It's like, it's, you're not going to make it any worse. So it's just, it's, I don't wish that on anyone. It's brutal to go through, man.
2: Yeah. It was not fun. Um, I was the first time I got the shot I think was versus who was the game I, I don't know what game it was after West Virginia but the game after I got hurt I was so scared because I don't know if this shot is gonna really work and I heard nothing but negative things so um like in terms of like what quarter zone used to be you know what I'm saying but um I worked I worked the, uh, worked through it and I was able to have a good season
1: What's the what's the conversation been with you f- w- at the next level like just as far as how how people envision using a guy like you cuz I got to tell you man just shocked at how good you are downfield in the passing game and in in the scramble drill and some of that stuff that's not like you don't fit into the full, bo- full back box so to speak right and you're like like, a, I don't know, a true H-back to where you can do both. It's it's kind of a – it's a unique spot. So yeah. what's been your
2: feedback? You know, my focus right now is, number one, just to be as best as I can. But two, whenever we're talking to these coaches, you know, I'm saying, hey, like, look at um, check for the 49ers, for, for, for the 49ers, number 44. Thank God he's in the league because I feel like that's a perfect picture of what I can do. You know, I'm not – necessarily to every down put my hand in the dirt type of tight end but you can move me all over the backfield I can go cut off the backside you can give me a hand off I can get open um in the flat or anywhere in the, in the middle of the field just like he does and I feel like now is a perfect time for my position you know the tight end you know tight end roster for the NFL is super deep right now but I feel like I can wiggle in there and and, and make myself known and so I'm excited especially for the senior bowl. Um, I think that's my biggest opportunity to show what scouts didn't get to see me do in practice, especially on these one-on-one routes. Man, I can't wait. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know or as soon nation knows, but I don't even go against linebackers when we practice. I, I go against our corners and, and safeties, and so when you have three seasons, three off seasons going against just them, you know, you typically you learn a few things, and I got a little little bit in store for these guys at the senior bowl. So I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll do that. You'll do a little blitz pickup against the linebackers one-on-one, which is a oh, fun yeah. drill. Going to yeah. be all kinds of fun. <laughs> I'm ready. No, a- as far as, as far as the senior bowl, right. You, and you mentioned it, it is, it's massive to show what you can do in front of all those NFL decision makers. So uh, what are you doing? To get ready where, where are you training who are you working with uh, how's that all working for you
2: i'm at lando sports performance here in denver colorado south denver and centennial and um, lando lauren lando he's the head strength coach for the denver broncos so he's basically their schmitty <laughs> so it's his entire program um i got another guy named augie he's a former track star ran track in college and um now he's a strength coach knows everything about the body that type of deal so he's running it um lauren lando made the program uh christian mccaffrey trained here when he was coming out and um i'm making some pretty good progress man i think i'll surprise surprise some people um on this combine or pro day so by the way i find out if i go to the combine on uh friday i believe friday morning so Hopefully, I get that invite.
0: I've, I've talked to several NFL people that have you at the top of the board for fullbacks. You're, you're going to get invited. Yeah, if
1: you're at yeah. the Senior Bowl, you're definitely going to be at the Combine. Is there is How, how big is the group? Is there guys from kind of all over the country that are working out there with you?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of guys from um, here in Colorado, um, Pueblo, um, University of Colorado, Colorado State. I uh, got a couple of guys from Oregon State, uh, one guy from Kansas and basically just guys everywhere, um, mostly Midwest, West Coast guys.
0: Okay, you you mentioned Schmidty. There's 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 a lot of discussion around how rigorous the strength and conditioning program has been over the last couple of years at OU. Teddy and I only know what we've been told, right? and we relay that to people, but you went through it. What? how was it right? Because I, there, there are people saying it made it sound like you guys were just doing like yoga and Pilates. I know that's <laughs> not the case. I know that's not how it was going, but you had Schmidt your freshman year, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had Schmitty yeah. for an entire so year. You have, so you have,
0: you have a great point of reference to compare it. So like, yes, just but put it, put it out there. What, what, what are, what were the differences? You
2: know, I'll never talk bad on Benny Wiley and his program or anything because he's the one that, you know, got me through. But I I felt like Benny was more technical. He focused on your, one, like, kind of one rep at a time. You know, we're going to correct it, and um, we're going to work hard when we need to. But if something's going on, we're going to make sure that you're healthy. Whereas Smitty is um, – he's just going to go man you guys know like he's he's not waiting on anybody you're going to catch up you're going to you're going to go at his speed it, it doesn't matter if something's wrong with you you're just going to learn <laughs> and eventually you're going to keep up with the group <laughs> you know what i'm saying he he's going to have things his way um there is no other way and um i don't there's not really a i don't even know what to say the difference is but it's it's just something about media that makes him different man he's um He's a different ball game than than Wiley. Love Wiley though.
1: Whenever everyone was talking about him coming back and some of the uh the old horror stories started making their way out, were some of the young guys that knew you were there whenever he was, was everyone trying to hit you up? Like what's it gonna be like? Is are people making this out for, to more than it is, or
2: yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> when Smitty was announced, um the the new head strength coach, obviously we have guys like me, Caleb, you all uh ties there telling all the horror stories and so everybody has you know nobody's scared obviously everybody's like you know i i don't worked hard i don't know how to worked hard before and i'm just like all right you you've never met this guy before and so they're asking they're trying to you know gauge them and and, and see what life is going to be like and you know it's just like walking into your first workout with smitty you just don't know you don't know what you don't know guys are definitely nervous but you know
0: how it is once you get into the groove of it they'll be all right yeah, it sounds like sounds like he's easing him in to things, yeah. but uh he's ready. I, I think he's ready to drop the hammer a little bit from what I've been told. So that should be uh should be a fun experience for them. Okay, this is and I know this is this is a complicated question, but you know, you're a leader, you're a leader of the team, and after Bedlam, Lincoln leaves and kind of catches us all off guard, right? Heading to USC. And at this point it is what it is, but what, what was your reaction to all that? Like, how, how did you handle that with the team? Because I mean that the, the LSU rumors were going around, but then that just kind of caught everyone off guard. So as one of the guys that was, you know, one of the more vocal guys on the team, what'd you say? What did you, I mean, what do you, what do you even say to your teammates?
2: You know, there, I didn't have any words at first because once he denounced the LSU job the night after or the night of Bedlam, I was like, okay, he's coming back. Um, it'll be okay. And so, I'll be when we all found out that morning, it was just empty, like, there was. How'd you find out
1: who, who, who kind of broke the news to everyone? Did you start getting text message from coaches or what? No,
2: this is, so we were, where were we? This was Sunday morning. We had got a text from Julie Watson, you know, like the team mom, she sends us our schedule and everything. she's like, Hey, um, coach Riley calls a team meeting. We're going to talk about the next two weeks, what our schedule will look like finals when you can go home, that type of deal. So we're like, okay, bet this is normal. And then, The meeting is supposed to start at a certain time. And obviously we're all in there five minutes early, sitting, waiting. And five minutes go by and we're like, what? Something's something's up because our meetings always start on time. If we say seven o'clock, we're starting at seven o'clock on the dot. Another five minutes go by. And so this is a total of 10 minutes and we're all like, what? Then we're all looking on Twitter. And now is
1: there is it just players in there or coaches in there? players only? At,
2: at, this, at this point, it's just players. And so next thing you know, somebody's like, Link's going to USC. And we all look up like, huh? Everybody's on their phone looking at the same tweet like, this isn't true. I kid you not, 30 seconds later, Joe Castiglione walks in through the back, and I'm like, huh? And then I see Bob Stoops walk in through the front, and I'm like, oh, it's so true. Last time I saw Bob in here was when he retired. And Josie doesn't come over very often, so when all the coaches start walking in, DeMarco looks so mad, Kane looks so mad. All the coaches come in, they're pouting, and then Riley is last. The room was so quiet. I swear you could hear a penny drop, and you know we have carpet in there. I swear you would have heard a penny drop on carpet. It was so quiet. And then you know Link breaks the news, he tells us that he's taking the job and everything and blah 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 blah, but I I didn't know how to feel. It was hard for me to tell the freshman that everything was going to be okay, because I had never been through a situation like that before. So who am I to tell a kid that just got to OU how to feel about a decision that's going to change his life that I haven't been through? You know, I knew that things were going to be okay, but I didn't know what was going to happen. All I could tell the guys is that we got to keep on working, because whether we like it or not, we still have another game to play. Whether we like it or not, You know, I still have the senior bowl to go to. I still have the combine to go to. So we're going to be here training regardless. We're going to be here going to class regardless. And so I told them until we can find out more information, you got to stick to what you know. And that was tough because it sounded good in the moment. But honestly, it was just the feel good thing to say because I didn't have anything else. And so definitely a challenging time in my life, uh, more so for other people, because selfishly I cared, but I knew that I was moving on. So it wasn't too big of a problem for me, but I still wanted to be there for my guys. You know, I still want to be a captain. I still wanted to lead. And that was definitely a hard time for me to look people in the eye and, and, and be honest and be truthful and, you know, be a support system.
1: So whenever you guys are in the room, right before it happens, everyone starts to kind of get words. So like there's. There's no really time to to think about it, but after Lincoln told you guys, and you know, coach, stood like everyone says their thing in the meeting, and then I don't know, send you guys home for the day, and you have time to start thinking about. Did you look back and and start to, as you as you went in the in the past, like the days and weeks leading up to it, and. Was there anything that stuck out that you said, man, I knew something was off. I knew this was different. Didn't think anything of it at that time. But now that I look back, that was a sign? Or was it just like it was totally like nothing?
2: No, I don't think there was anything that Link gave away that could have predicted this move. Um, Shoot, even when people thought he was going to LSU the first time, me and him were doing an ESPN interview together. And I just so happened to record him. And it ends up on Twitter, you know, just a great Holmes tweet out here. That, <laughs> yeah, that was good. That great was tweet. Good. I'm like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And I'm like, I guess I got to let people know I'm with my coach. And so um, that was crazy. But to answer your question, no, I didn't. I couldn't think of anything. And I had honestly went back and, and tried to find something. But nobody was happy about him leaving. And that just left a weird vibe. You know, most coaches, you know, they're like, "Okay, like he's leaving. Um, You know, that's just the way things goes. I didn't hear anybody say that. Everybody was upset in some way or form. And so from my point of view, I'm like, man, this didn't go down very well at all. I'm not hearing anything positive from upstairs. And so that transcended into the locker room. And we were kind of we were kind of just sitting there for two weeks, kind of clueless.
0: Yeah. No, that had to be <laughs> that had to be really weird. Uh, it, it just had to be you you mentioned being there for your guys and I, I was going to ask you this leading up to the Alamo Bowl but I I was just like, you know what? I'm going to leave it alone. You you knew that you were the top fullback on a lot of people's big boards. You had several teammates say, "Hey, we're not playing. We're opting out." You didn't well, why'd you play?
2: Honestly, I love playing. I love playing football. I love OU. And I didn't want my last game to be a loss. You know, I didn't want to go out that way. Um, I wanted to go out with a smile on my face. I want to give my family a hug and and let them know that I, I gave everything that I had to the school, you know, to, to, the, last, to the last possible chance, Um, especially as a captain you know, I felt like if I were to leave, then what does that show my young guys when it's their turn to lead? You know, they're they're probably going to think back and say, well, Jay Hall left. You know, he was a captain. So if he can leave, then anybody can leave. You know, when you commit to a a group of people and just walk out simply because you're scared of, you know, getting hurt. And I can understand everybody's situation is different, but Shoot, I, I could get hurt, you know, just walking down steps, or I can get into a car accident tomorrow, you know. And so, whenever you're at least in my mind, whenever I was given a chance to play, I'm gonna play, you know, I'm gonna play till I can't anymore. And um, I'm glad I did because honestly, it, it felt like a, a fairy tale ending.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of the interesting thing because we talked about earlier, you guys were nine and zero undefeated, and it felt like everyone was pissed off. Um, and then the deal happens with Lincoln. And then all of a sudden, like Coach Stoops kind of takes over. Um, Venables is announced between then and the and the bowl game. And then all of a sudden, there's all this like positive energy. And a season that started off where anything other than a playoff was, would be a massive disappointment. All of a sudden, it turned into an Alamo Bowl. That the fans were just like thrilled with and loved and showed up in big numbers for and really enjoyed. Was it the same feeling for you guys that, yeah, we're not where we envisioned at the beginning of the year, but this has actually turned out to be pretty cool?
2: Yeah, once we lost and went through what we did with Lincoln leaving. Once Bob was announced the head coach and we actually got back out there on the field for practice, I felt like I was having fun because at that point, everyone that was there was just like, you know what? We have nothing else to worry about. You know, there's links gone. um, Venables is the head coach. All that's left for us to do now is play. And so I I had San Antonio to Alamo Bowl. That was probably the most fun I've I've had during a bowl week in my time at OU because uh, the pressure was off. All I wanted to do was have fun, um, win Bob, his uh, his retirement game, and uh, ride right off into the sunset. And so um, I always say when you're not thinking about football and just out there playing, um, everything just naturally folds and happens the way it's supposed to.
0: Yeah, I, I think that – I know I enjoyed that game. I had a smile on my face the entire time on, on that sideline okay, Brent Venables gets the job, right? And you're in this weird position, right? You're, you're, you're graduating, you're out, and you're, you're moving on to the NFL. But there was a little crossover there, and I, I don't know how much Coach V was actually coaching during practice, but with your interactions with him once he got the job, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about BV? Yeah, no, he wasn't
2: a coach at all for the preparation for that game. You know, he has so much going on in terms of moving here, getting his family here, um, recruits, um, that type of deal. So uh, Bob took care of all that. But I did make it a point to go upstairs and have a conversation with him before I left. So um, I ran into him once in the hallway, had a conversation with him, and then I went upstairs to his office, talked to him about 20, 25 minutes. And I just told him, what I thought that Oklahoma needed in order to improve especially as a captain as a guy that led the team and so I wanted to get that off my chest because I feel like I did. I couldn't leave without letting him know um what I thought and um second obviously I wanted to to get to know him and I think I think he's a great fit you know obviously you guys know a little bit more about him than I do because he's he, he's been here before he's not like he's new but um, I wanted to, to meet him personally just so he could match a name to a face, that type of deal. And, you know, like I said before, I think he's great. You know, I think he's genuine. And um, I think that's not something that a lot of people have. Like, when you're talking to BV, like, this man generally cares about what you have to say next. Like, every little word that you say when he's talking or when you're talking, he's listening. He's listening with intent. And I feel like a lot of people – can't generally, genuinely produce that, and he does naturally, and I think that'll take him a long ways.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, you are you're a guy that played a ton of football, had a huge role in the offense, obviously a captain. So you you ended up probably having a, a pretty close relationship with with Lincoln Riley. It, it did have you had any conversation with him since that that team meeting? Did, has he reached out to anyone to you or? or anyone else, or or was that kind of it?
2: You know, I talked to Lincoln after, after the meeting. Everybody cleared out. He went up to his office. Um, I, w- I went up there just because I had some other business to take care of, but while I was up there, I talked to him. And um, he was telling me that this was was, was his decision. Um, and he was telling me how in life, like, you know, this is – the way things go this is the way things goes you know you're going to be faced with decisions and you're just going to have to make a mistake to him and that he was sorry that things had to end this way and so um he apologized because he he knew that you know obviously he recruited me and uh all that type of deal and, and how much how much love I have for him and so um you know it, it, it was a lot of emotions going on during that time too so I can't even remember what all was said but um, that was the last time I actually talked to him. Um, no, he sent me a text, you know, um, checking up on me, making sure I was doing good and, uh, that type of deal. But, uh, we haven't, you know, talked much over the past couple of months, obviously he's busy, busy, but, um, he did shoot me a check, a text to let me know that he cares and he's rooting for me and everything. And if I needed help or whatever, he'd be there for me. So, um, that's all, that's all the interaction I've had with him.
0: Yeah. If you guys have any, uh, Big Twelve championship reunions—that could be—that could be awkward, man. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know what? Um, I don't think I'll be going to USC or anything like that anytime soon. I'm sure uh, Riley's yeah, not. You're coming.
0: you're not going to recruit for the Trojans? Oh, come yeah. on!
2: <laughs> you know I I don't think Coach Riley's ever coming back, to Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, Ted, you got anything else? Uh, if not, we've got we've got some fan questions.
1: Well, I always love fan questions. We better get to those.
0: Oh, this, you're you're going to really love this first one. This one comes from, so we normally do this thing called call your shot where people ask questions or like, you know, write comments and, and we read them, yeah. Jeremiah, but we have a special edition, which is questions for you. Okay. First one comes from Dean Dickens on <laughs> Twitter. And he says, at what age did you start balding? Oh, <laughs>
2: Well, Dean, let, before I answer your question, let me tell you, my dad went bald when he was 22. And so I always prepared for the moment. I knew that whenever I started shading and it was time to let it go, I would just let it go and never turn back. I was I was 19 when my hair started thinning. I'll never forget. I got a haircut. I cut it low. And um, the barber paused. He was like, oh, and I was like, "What, man? What's wrong?" He was like, "Man, Father Tom done got you." And mind you, I'm only 19, and so he has me look in the mirror, and I'm like, "No!" <laughs> I'm sitting there about to start crying, man. And so for a year and a half, I try and hide it with with spray and picking it out and that type of, that type of deal. But when I pledged to my fraternity um, for tradition is to is to shave your head, and so that gave me an excuse to just be bald and stay bald, and I never looked back.
1: Hey, I feel your pain, man. When I was in high school, I remember I took my helmet off one time and I saw like hair on my helmet. I was like, I didn't have a haircut, but it took me about five seconds because my dad's bald, all of his brothers are bald, my grandpa's bald, and I remember asking my dad, I was like, but everyone says it comes from your mother's side, and he started laughing. He said, yeah, I held on to that one too. Let's see if it gets you anywhere.
0: (laughs) 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 okay we got a couple more here's one from ron f on twitter he says hey jeremiah hall gonna keep it light what is your favorite football movie uh friday night lights good answer that's a good answer it's got to be that i remember the titans right i feel or the program's free i could see the program being teddy's favorite that's that's
1: me yeah That's, that's my era i'm I'm a little, old. I'm older than you guys. That's the program.
0: And yeah. I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for. This comes from Coda Perry on Twitter. Has Jeremiah Hall ever thought about pursuing a career in singing? Yes. That Dixieland Delight <laughs> remix was straight fire.
2: Oh my gosh. You know what? I'll give you all a sample. Hold on. Let me clear my throat. Spend <clears throat> my dollar. Parked in a holler neath the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight against the wall. Make a little <laughs> lovin' all night. A little turtle dove in on a mixin' Dixon land. Hey!
1: Yeah, <laughs> <There you laughs> go. that's good. All right. <laughs> that was awesome. But I prefer the original uh, version that you put out. Yeah, That version's gonna be the best one. Yeah, it's I said
2: awesome. something about water. There's definitely no water <laughs> using in that song. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Jeremiah, you're, you are one of my favorite players since, since I started doing the, the sideline thing. You're, you're one of my favorite players. Um, you're the man. Uh, thanks for the time, and can't wait to see what your future looks like in football, man. Very excited for you. You're going to do thanks. great. Don't worry. Don't stress. It'll be fine.
2: Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate the love. Thank you for having me on. Um, hopefully we can do a a yearly update from now on. Oh, we're on, getting on you after first... the draft. Once yeah.
0: you once you once you go early day three, we're getting you.
2: Watch. Okay. Yeah, get some NFL updates on here. That'd be cool.
1: What you gotta like? I know it doesn't matter, just an opportunity, but is you got a favorite team maybe that you grew up watching or that you watch now, or an offense or a coach that, that you like?
2: Yeah, you know, um, somewhere warm with low taxes would yeah, <laughs> would Florida make me, <laughs> would make me smile. So if, if Tampa comes calling, um, anywhere in the south, um, give me a holler. <laughs> I'm here awesome. for it.
0: All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Man, that was that was a great conversation with our guy Jay Hall. I love. He's one of my favorites.
1: No, he's fantastic. He's been not just a good, good player, obviously a good player brought so much to that offense. I mean, you go back and look at his receiving touchdown numbers and stuff? It's insane how good he's been over the last couple of years. But he's also been obviously a really good voice in that locker room and a good ambassador for the program outside of it as well.
0: Yeah, no doubt. He's he's repped the University of Oklahoma. Really, really well. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, concussions
1: are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing. Spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized, slip-resistant, decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at SoftRock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own The Driveway Company. The driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling
0: 405-294-9834. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. January 30th through February 5th is National Catholic Schools Week, and Bishop McGinnis wants you to know that they provide a level of educational and spiritual devel- spiritual development that will set your children up for success in college and in life. Bishop McGinnis has kept their kids safely in classrooms, knowing that it is vital for their learning. I give Bishop McGinnis a ton of credit for preparing me to manage academics and a social life all while playing football at Oklahoma. Uh, McGinnis got me prepared for that. You can visit bmchs.org for more information. And yes, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: It can be difficult at times. It can be you get caught up in the moment. You want to know what's happening. And whenever you're famous, I'm guessing like Baker Mayfield, you want to see what people are saying about you. But Baker has said, Gabe, he's done With social media, he's stepping away. He's getting to the grind. He's putting his head down. He's going to work this off season. He's done dealing with all the distraction. It's time to move forward. I love it. I think it's awesome. And hopefully he gets his wife to get off social media too.
0: That, that can be tricky. That can be (laughs) tricky. Right now. I feel like this is your dream. Like, this, yeah. is, this is what you want your life to be. Like, you, you would live without a phone if you could, like, if you didn't need it for work. So, I feel like part of you just made Baker your winner of the week because you're a little jealous, a little jealous that he can yep. do this. Yep. Um,
1: I'm living vicariously through Baker right now for being able to log off. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Think it's think it's fantastic. I think it's going to do him a lot of good. Even though, for a lot of his career, he's been really good at, you know, using some of that stuff as fuel, you know, and to to really motivate him and drive him. And I'm sure, in one way or another, he's still going to do that. There's plenty of it out there for him. But I think it. I think it's going to be smart for him to step aside. Nothing really good out there. It's not going to do him any good to be, uh, you know, commenting and chiming in on social media.
0: Uh, You know, like the list that he keeps of people that have said bad stuff about him, does he, does he like have a ceremonial burning of the list? Like, is this, is he just a new person or just like, I, I feel like that chip on the shoulder he's got is so big. It can't go away. Like, no, yeah, that would change like the complexion of who he is. Can't have that happening.
1: He's logging off of social media. My guess is he's going to generate his anger from print media. He'll be picking up the, uh, I don't know, what's the Cleveland plane deal? What's their?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Cleveland plane dealer. dealer.
1: Yeah, Plain I think stuff their- like that. Yeah, that's pro- he's probably going to be the only person on the block walking outside to pick up the newspaper every day.
0: He's just going to be on the cover and like, oh, here we go again. <laughs>
1: That's right. All I ask. He's going to be laminating newspaper prints. I,
0: he may be going dark on social media. All I ask is that he keep does, keeps, keeps doing the progressive commercials because he's fantastic. I, yeah, I will,
1: he is really good. You
0: can say whatever you want about the man's play. You can't. No one. I will not accept any Baker Mayfield acting slander. He's spectacular in those commercials.
1: Nope. I agree. I, I, think, they're, I think they're smart. They're funny. I love them a lot.
0: All right. Who do, you have as your, who do you have as your loser of the week?
1: This has been a point of frustration for a long time for me. And I guess it find it maybe it's over. I don't know. But the baseball hall of fame, not putting in Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, I think it's an absolute joke. Uh, maybe I'm wasting too much time and energy caring about it because ultimately like the baseball hall of fame is so far down on the list for me, but I just think it's so weird that Hall of Fame voters or MVP voters or, I don't know, AP, top 25 poll voters use those votes as some type of like ability to to have some moral condemnation of other people for I just I don't know it's so frustrating to me that that Barry Bonds he's the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball history and there's no doubt I understand the steroid era I get it I I mean but he deserves to be in the hall you know I it's I don't know it's it's just weird that the all-time home run leader is not in the hall of fame. It seems ridiculous to me.
0: His numbers are ridiculous. I mean, they're absurd and uh, a lot of people think he's the best baseball player ever. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there, there are a couple reasons why he's not in. And I, I agree with you. I think Barry Bonds should be in the baseball hall of fame because it's, it is a museum of the history of baseball. And the guy that arguably is the best player ever isn't in it. Like it, it's not
1: like by not putting him in the hall of fame, like you're shielding the youth or the world <laughs> of what happened during that era. Right. Yeah. It, there, anyone with any type of access to any information at all knows what happens during that era. You don't need to shield people from that. You need to tell the story.
0: My, I, I, the hypocrisy of the whole thing is what annoys me the most, right? We, we all watch when we used to watch baseball because Barry Bonds was awesome. And he, we actually watched because of him, like the writers that are not voting him in, I mean, how many articles did they write about Barry Bonds? How, they, you know what I mean? Like how many of them got new contracts or like got promoted because they wrote about him and, and now he's, yeah, now he's in the hall story. of fame
1: right and they're holding it against him and you know it was it, everyone kind of knew what was going on at the time and chose to ignore it right major league baseball wasn't testing for it when you're not testing for it guess what everyone's going to push the limits and i i don't know i think it's i think it's strange especially whenever the guy that the lone guy that gets in this year, David Ortiz was suspended for PED use. Right.
0: So. Yeah. But the the whole thing, when he got suspended, like a a big group of guys tested positive for, they didn't really know what, and then they said it was inconclusive. And so I, I, I'm glad big poppy got in because he deserves to be in a lot of people, a lot of Red Sox fans consider him the most important Red Sox player ever, right? With, with kind of the, the culture change and, you know, breaking the curse and everything that he did winning those titles. So I I'll say this, I think the most obvious reason why, and this, and this is one of those things, remember nerdy baseball writers are the ones voting for this. David Ortiz is a super nice guy, super nice guy. And Barry Bonds was a huge asshole. Mm-hmm. And I, there, there is a large part of me that thinks Barry Bonds being a huge asshole is – it might be the reason he's not going into the Hall of Fame. Like, yes, the steroids and all that stuff, but I think people, at the end of the day, they went, eh, I, I didn't like that guy. I'm not putting him hey, in.
1: We saw a writer this year – openly say that he will not vote for Aaron Rodgers as the MVP because he thinks he's a jerk. So yeah. it's, it's, it's been openly admitted that there's that type of bias out there. My question is, if Barry Bonds would have tested positive for steroids and served some type of suspension, then at that point, would it have been okay to vote him in?
0: I, I don't know, but Ortiz is in first ballot. I know. I, I don't
1: know. It's such a, it's so weird. It's weird.
0: By the way, yeah. baseball's Whatever. still in a lockout <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. seem like there's any progress being made. Crazy. That's the most we've ever talked about baseball in this podcast. And it's us. Getting mad at them. So yeah, you're crushing it. You're crushing it, Major League Baseball.
1: Good job, baseball.
0: Hopefully the Hall of Fame's today's game era committee, which is the longest name of a committee in human history, can uh can get Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and, and those guys in eventually. All right. If you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some balcone's products. You gotta grab some of Balcone's balcone's lineage single malt whiskey it was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by whiskey advocate and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is also you got to snag some of balcone's baby blue corn whiskey it's made from blue corn that's the fancy corn and that it is why it has won more than 25 awards last but certainly not least you got to buy some of balcone's pot still bourbon it's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round in 2012 Balcony's single malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit Balcony'sDistilling.com. First Fidelity Bank is hey, a People full- Hey, one second. People keep saying, They want more Teddy ad reads. By God, we're giving them to you. We're splitting these 50-50 now, baby. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Uh, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information.
0: Okay, for my winner of the week, Thought about going with Oklahoma State. Uh, first of all, the fact that A.J. Ferrari is alive is a win in itself. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the picture of that car is – it's unre- unreal. And I, I, he, he made a bad decision, no doubt, trying to pass all those cars. But, man, I, I'm just glad those young men are all right because I'm glad the passenger he hit is okay. The fact that Casey Dunn just happened to be there to help, like pull him out of the car. I guess the car was on fire. Like, jeez, that's just, nuts. I, I'm just, I'm just glad everyone's all right. Like, it's, it, it's insane, man. I, I mean, just seeing those pictures and like w- when the details weren't quite out yet, and you're just like, oh, he's being flighted to Oklahoma City. You're like, oh no, this is bad, bad. And then maybe the craziest thing is the guy's fine like he's completely fine yeah unreal that's crazy
1: unreal he's lucky that he wasn't seriously hurt or killed he's lucky that no one else was seriously hurt or killed like that is a, a a super dangerous situation yeah you're right i glad everyone there is okay
0: and also osu made the Derek mason hiring big time new defensive coordinator for the cowboys Man. that's big that's big Very big, but my winner of the week, Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, Rams, because they're preparing for conference championship games, and this is the way we preview them. (laughs) Bengals at Chiefs. Chiefs is a seven-point favorite. Maybe the most important thing in this game is I will be in the house at Arrowhead for the AFC championship game. Are you
1: hanging out in the suite with Jackson Mahomes and, and Brittany?
0: I will be hanging out with the entire Bell clan. We are rolling deep, and I nice. do mean so deep to this game. So I, yeah, I'm I'm pumped to go watch Blake Bell play in another AFC Championship game. So I, I'm very excited. But it's pretty simple for me. I just don't think there's any way in hell that the Bengals are going to go to Arrowhead and win this game. I, I know Joe Burrow. It, yeah, he he's right. He's played in some loud environments in the SEC. I, I know the Bengals beat the Chiefs back in week 17. I know, but we saw the Titans assault Joe Burrow last weekend, and I don't see why the Chiefs won't just line Chris Jones and Frank Clark up over the right side of that offensive line and let them go to work. I just I, I just don't think that Joe Burrow – and I love Jamar Chase, and I think he's fantastic, and I think Joe Mixon in that running game, maybe they can find some more success in this game, and I actually think Mixon – could be a big weapon catching the ball out of the backfield in this one. But Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, the belldozer, let him run speed option again. Give him another chance, Andy Reid. Come on. All the momentum from that insane win over the Bills. I, I just don't think the Bengals will be able to keep pace. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. I, I've liked watching Cincinnati. That's been a fun group. Um, I like, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's, I think he's a great quarterback. I think that offense is awesome. Um, I think it's cool. Zach Taylor's is the head coach of that team and what they've done really, really good stuff. But I believe this is the end of the road. Now they're capable any, you know, to go out there and and put up some big numbers offensively and you never know what's going to happen. Right. I, uh, if you would have told me last week that the 49ers were going to go into Green Bay, not score an offensive touchdown, and win that football game, I would have told you you're insane. So anything can happen. Uh, that's why we watch it. And I do think it's going to be a really good game, but I think Kansas City is just too good. Um, I think they're too experienced in these type of situations, and these type of games. And I think Joe Burrow has been – awesome since that 2019 run he had in college football he's done the right things he's made the right plays he said the right things up until he said that he's played in louder stadiums in the sec or whatever his wording of that that phrase was that was not a good move
0: not not a wise decision it's yep. going to be loud. Now it's going to be loud, anyways, right? It's the AFC Championship game, but yeah, when you when you walk out of Arrowhead, like when you're playing there as a as the visiting team, you walk out of that tunnel and they've got that little thing on the wall right before you come out. It's like you're entering the loudest stadium in the world, and it's got like the decibel level number, and you're like, oh, it's like psychological warfare right before you take the field.
1: Yep, yep. No, I. I uh, I do think it's going to be a good game, and you never know what happens. That's I think that's clear, but, yeah, I think Kansas City gets it done.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. All right, 49ers at the Rams. Rams are favored by three and a half. Interesting hook there. We'll see how the crowd is divided for this game. I know there are some concerns that the 49ers fans could take over. Sophi Stadium for this one. But I
1: guess Stafford's wife is buying a bunch of tickets for the fans, right? Do it do it whatever
0: they can. Yeah, whatever they can to make sure that the 49ers fans don't take this thing over and 49ers, man, they've had the Rams number, right? Beat them 6 times in a row and even though that's the case like somehow it still feels like the pressure is all on the Rams right yep. here and maybe it's because they've they've gone all in on this season. Now, I I don't think the Rams' run defense particularly has been tested in the playoffs the way it will be tested by the 49ers. I I certainly am concerned about all the guys that are banged up for the 49ers, right, with Kittle, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, like all these guys, all their best players are playing borderline injured. They're definitely hurt, but they might be injured. And ultimately with this game, I just think Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he's going to make the crippling mistake in this game, and that'll be the difference. I, I think Stafford knows what this means for his legacy, and I, I do think him having Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, I, I think those guys are going to rise the occasion and make some plays against that 49ers secondary. So I'm going to take the Rams to win it, at home, even though maybe it ends up feeling like a road game. Yeah. And remember, if they win this one, they host the Super Bowl. So I, I'm going to take the Rams in this one.
1: I think the Rams are the more well-rounded football team. Um, offensively, tons of star power. Defensively, obviously tons of star power. Uh, coached really well. I I think a lot of things favor them in this game. But I think the biggest factor is the health of Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. If I'm factoring in that that those guys are not going to be 100% and I'm taking the Rams. But if you could tell me that Trent Williams will be able to play at or near 100% and Debo Samuel will be able to play at or near 100%, I'm taking the 49ers. I think the run game, I think I think the fact of how they are limited in some areas makes them be a little bit more creative, ends up being an asset for them and makes them a little bit harder to defend. Um, I think their their defense is super, super solid. Just look at what they did against Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay offense. That is fantastic. They did excellent. I I think if those guys are healthy, it's the 49ers. But the thing is, I don't think they're going to be a hundred percent. So um maybe people are gonna clown me for saying I'm hedging, but I think that's a massive factor in the football game. You know, Trent Williams is the best left tackle in all of football. So and Debo Samuels, one of the the more explosive offensive guys that you can use in multiple ways. So if those guys are healthy, I'm taking the Niners, but I don't think they will be.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And yeah, the Niners have beaten the Rams six times in a row, but I, eventually you got you to gotta break the streak, right? I, yeah. That's, that's stupid reasoning, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. All right, for my loser of the week, you took mine. I was going to do baseball.
1: Well, but, that that means we agree that they're I, total losers.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're in a lockout, and they've got everyone pissed at them about that, and even more pissed at them about something else. <laughs> like, yeah, way to go, Major League Baseball. You guys are killing it. So I, I always come prepared with backups just in case this situation arises. Thought about going with the New Orleans Saints. Bad cap yeah. situation. Not a great cap situation. Now they can cut guys and... I think that stuff gets blown out of proportion there. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. But Sean Payton stepping away. I mean, guy, what, 16 years, 17 years? It's been a long time. Nice been run. a long time. He's been great and just kind of out of nowhere stepping away. So uh, that is – that's probably – it's probably alarming for Saints fans because they're probably looking at the situation, the roster, the quarterback situation. Sean Payton's like, eh. Yeah, maybe I'll do TV for a couple of years. I'm good, guys.
1: Yeah, you went from having one of the, the most consistent coach and quarterback combos in all of football for a long time to all of a sudden not having either one of them and just being like, oh, dang. <laughs>
0: yeah, and Sean Payton, I was only there for, what, like six weeks or whatever it was. Incredibly detailed, awesome coach, also wears ripped jeans which just did not see that coming. Didn't see it coming at all. But I also thought about going with the big 10 serious discussions right now about eliminating the divisions in the big 10, which I think people like, right. And because that, that conference has felt unbalanced for a while, right. With the, with the big 10 East, just really dominating things. But, Then they come out, and of course, the Big Ten, they announce one thing. You're like, oh, that's good. That'll be awesome. Then they have to tack something on. They have to outsmart themselves, and they're like, yeah, but we're also talking about dropping to eight conference games starting in 2023 so we can schedule games against our pals in the Alliance. The Pac-12 and the ACC, like, why would they do that? I don't understand it at all. Don't do that.
1: I know why they're doing it. They're doing it just like, almost the same reason as the SEC is doing it, except they've taken a step further and they're dropping the divisions. It's so they can give their best teams easy, easy schedules to where they can coast to um, having an opportunity to make the playoff.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. But yep. it it'll be funny, like, if a divisionless big team is playing 8 conference games and like the super sec is playing 10. Everyone's going to be like, "Wait, what? What are we doing?" Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's that's my guess. That's why I think they're doing
0: it is because Why are they helping the ACC and the Pac-12? Like it doesn't like they don't need the, that's the most confusing thing to me.
1: Right. They they've got the alliance and who was it that just scheduled a a non-conference game that they, we were told that it wasn't going to happen anymore. someone in the Was it Tennessee?
0: It's Maybe dumb. in the
1: SEC? Yeah,
0: They're you're like, going to schedule SEC schools because it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, there was I a Pac-12 know. and SEC uh, game that was just announced. Yeah, it's dumb. I think it's so they can try and give their better teams an easier opportunity to make it through the, the tough schedule.
0: We'll see. All right. On that note, episode 184 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. We've got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, joining us. We'll talk about the OU guys with Jim. That will be a lot of fun. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk fourteen hundred. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big Twelve Radio, channel three seventy five. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma.